choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Welcome back to the Forecast Roundtable. I'm Dan Darling, uh, joined by Derek Passaccio, and we're discussing the conflict in northeast Syria and the fallout after President Trump's announcement of U.S. troop withdrawals from the border with Turkey. Uh, Derek, um, my first question on, on is what what happens to the IS, the Islamic State fighters? Because as you discussed earlier, they were being guarded by Kurdish forces. Right. So now Turkey, according to President Trump, is being given responsibility for right. Islamic State forces. Are we to trust that? And what what do you what? How do you see this playing out? Okay, so some of it, some of the facilities where they're holding. Islamic State fighters or Islamic State supporters are not, presumably not going to be within Turkey's security corridor, although I, I don't know if it's exactly clear what Turkey's overall zone is going to yeah. be. Right. But yeah, President Trump has said that, that he wants Turkey to take the responsibility for it. There's a few problems with that. Number one, it, it would be difficult enough to hand off that sort of security authority between two friendly parties. Um, but it's even more difficult when you consider the fact that Turkey and the SDF are at war. And so uh, trading off the responsibility of guarding these facilities is not going to be a regular, even process. You're going to have something to the effect of the SDF leaves and then Turkey comes in and you just kind of hope that they manage it well and that they do this, you know, in a, in a rapid manner so that you don't really have any any vacuum in, in controlling these areas because some of these camps are you know are big enough there's thousands or tens of thousands of islamic state either ex-fighters or supporters all a lot of whom are still you know very supportive of the group and so the fear is that somewhere along the way there's going to be a lapse in security and they're going to either break out or there's going to be an attack from you know islamic state sleeper cells that helps them break out there hasn't been too much you know instances of that i think there was a there was a rumor that one of the camps got attacked i don't know if that ended up being being true but the the worst case scenario in this is that security lapses they break out and then they go and you know join up with other sleeper right. cells i mean it's obviously it's harder to hide ten thousand right. <laughs> fighters but you know that they could then still cause a whole lot of problems right in you know, in an area where the United States is trying to get out of and not trying to come back and do more. Yeah, and uh, Turkey's track record on uh, handling Islamic State and other uh, radical well, groups. Yeah, yeah their 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 fear is is more towards you know secessionist Kurds right. than it is yeah, than, exactly. than it is Islamists. Yeah, and, that's and been that a, and that begs the question. Uh, with Turkey, sorry, and I didn't mean to cut you no, off you're, right you're, there, you're yeah. but um, ethnic cleansing, are we, is one of the concerns that the Turkish hatred for Kurds, and um, I'll walk that back in one second to explain the PKK. Right, how you're, how you're saying Right, it, but, is, is, is that, are they being given a green light by Erdogan's administration to go in and liquidate well okay so let me let me first just illustrate 
what Turkish officials have said. They've made a point to say that this is fighting the YPG. This is not fighting Kurds. Mm -hmm. So at least public messaging, right. they're trying to... They have to, because they they're Yeah, they're trying to allay fears of right. that. And, and there's a good reason to see why. Even though Trump has been, I guess you would say, nominally supportive or, I guess, enabling, willing to enable this sort of operation, he's even warned that if they go past... Right. You know, his unspecified red lines that he's going to hit them with sanctions and worse without and a whole lot of infinite wisdom. Yeah, without a whole lot of further specificity. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the Congress is ready to just sanction Turkey for going yeah. in at all. It doesn't right. matter. You know, it doesn't and, uh, matter what they do. And some European and so, countries are cutting off arms and, exports. Yeah, too. Norway and I think was it Finland France. and did France? Yeah, France was supposedly going to announce it today. Today, I have yet okay. To see so, that, and I know I know France has been definitely leading the leading the charge in wanting to sanction yeah. Turkey over it. So o overall, there's a there's definitely a, a very real fear that mm. regardless of what, say, what the leadership is saying, what the Turkish leadership is saying, that they're, you know, that the troops might get out of hand. It definitely doesn't help when you look at, say, say what they did in, um, you know, the, op the all the branch operation, right. that there was a lot of instances of, I mean, definitely population displacement, that there was looting, that there was that sort of thing going on, and that there might be, I yeah, that there might be, say, ethnic cleansing. And I think, I mean, if Turkey's wise, obviously, they'll, they'll keep a, a tight yeah, hand have on their good, troops. In modern warfare, you have to have a good PR arm. Right. But the problem is there's also a, a, you know, a principal agent problem with the fact that they're not just doing this operation with just Turkish army troops. They're also working with a lot of Free Syrian Army or mm -hmm. Free Syrian Army-esque militias right. that are going in that they might not have as good of control over. And those guys are, in, in many senses, they look at the Kurds as having betrayed the Syrian revolution. Had... The Kurdish military, uh, the YPG, had they also joined in and really fought the uh, the Syrian army, Assad would be there's, gone. There's a good there's a good chance that he, his his government would have fallen already. Right. They didn't they didn't see it like that. They had a different different approach to it, and so they even throughout the war, the Syrian government still maintained some pockets of territory throughout. A Kur you know, Kurdish areas that nominally, if you looked at it on a map, it looked like they were under siege, but it wasn't. You know, wasn't an actual siege. There wasn't really. There was tension, but there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, effort by the Kurds to forcibly, you know, take those area areas over. They're still trading with them. For example, they weren't barring entry of goods, and so I, I, you know, I think it's it's valid to be worried that this could turn into an ethnic conflict as opposed to just a. Just, well, memories and, and are the, long in, right, in right. that region of the world, and right. well, Turkey's and the, record. Yeah, it, it, well, you the, know the from the Armenians. from what they're from what from what uh, Turkey's interest in this is also partially to to relocate refugees, and so they're they're looking at this as okay. Well, we're we're pushing Kurds out of Arab majority areas, mm -hmm. areas that were previously Arab majority, but then they're also bringing in a bunch of you know a bunch of refugees. Some of them probably weren't even from this area of Syria. And, you know, plopping them there and then what does that do to all the Kurdish people that are that are displaced? Right. So we'll walk back and go look at this a little outward from the Turkish mm -hmm. perspective here. Um, obviously, uh, Turkey, w after the Syrian civil war erupted, Turkey welcomed a lot of they, they were humanitarian towards fleeing 
Syrian refugees and, and including Kurdish refugees. I think yes. I think Turkish yep. officials w- yep. were, were actually pointing that out earlier this to week. The they tune said, of they what, said, "Hey, three point six million over overall persons? refugees from yeah. Syria from I Syria mean, in that's general." That's a large and influx. Yeah, and, exactly. And which has been a sore spot for Turkey because they percolated into Europe, right. and we all know the famous photograph of the the, the little boy the, on the, the boy beach drowned, in, yeah. in Turkey, and I think that really captured, uh, you know, not just the the fallout of that, of the horrible conflict in Syria, but the humanity of it, the inhumanity uh, of it, and, and, and so it galvanized and, yeah, and public the fate opinion. Of, and the fate of even people that have uh, had a, uh, that have escaped the wars, because obviously right. you would have seen all of the, you know, the reports of the photos from Syria itself, but then you also see that, you know, people that were lucky enough to get away from that mm-hmm. violence that just you know, attempting to get to somewhere where they could make something of their lives that, you know, they're, they're still facing serious hardships. And so Turkey, you know, I think at first welcomed in the refugees. Yeah, this is absolutely. also a, this is a, a kind of burnishing their, their Islamic bona fides. Mm-hmm. It's saying, look, we're, you know, this is a charitable action. We're helping these people in. But over time, it gets, it gets very difficult. When the Turkish economy kind of right. crashed, it, yeah, and then I, it and became even, uh, you could draw a, right. You could even draw a connection with 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 in Germany, which was also very welcoming of, mm-hmm. of refugees. And Angela Merkel, you can tell, is very supportive of that. But even even they had trouble accommodating it. And over time, it had a lot of social disruption in Germany. Not to get off track, but in Germany and then mm-hmm. also in Turkey. And so now that we're you, right. you know, it's all good and fine eight when, or nine when, years after the war started. It's looking like, okay, these, you know, how long are we going to have to host these refugees here? What do we do with them? So you have a combination of refugees, resettlement of refugees. You have um, an internal Kurdish uh, militant terrorist force. I mean, everybody from the U.S. to the European Union is labeled the PKK, which stands for Kurdistan Workers Party. It's a Marxist ethnic Kurdish terrorist group right. um, in, in within Turkey that's been a thorn in the side of Turkish government for decades. Right. Um, you have the PKK um, filtering in and out of Syria, in and out of Iraq, into Kurdish territories. The Turkish authorities are worried about, um, you know, a, a strengthening PKK hand in a greater Kurdistan, right? Or or them getting a, a support zone in, a, a in northern Syria, in region, and you know, yeah. in effect, where I don't I don't want to draw the comparison because it's not directly accurate. But say, for example, uh, the the Taliban having Pakistan mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a support zone for for yeah. much of their you know their operations against the Afghan government, right. U.S. U.S. troops. I guess you could also go back to say the Tajik civil war. Same thing you had. Northern Afghanistan, in that case, being a support zone for any government forces uh, north of the border. Right. And so the fear for Turkey is that this is going to be that northeast Syria or just northern We're gonna Syria have a in general. Permanent you're going to have a permanent support zone, and yeah. what do we do about it? Right. And and then, you know, not to mention that this is also given uh, a lot of PKK fighters a lot of war experience. Right. That they've now had a, you know, they now have experience in fighting and taking territory obviously the, i don't want to say that the you know the entire ypg is all pkk fighters no, from so. turkey yeah, yeah. no there's a there's a lot of local fighters there but there's definitely crossover mm-hmm. and 
so that for from Turkey's perspective, you can see why this would be such an explosive issue. And and, and they're even you know they're they're pointing to it and they're saying, well, look, we've been raising this concern for a sure. long time. They raised this with the Obama administration for years, and they raised it with the Bush administration in Iraq. Right, right. And, and, I and mean we, specifically with Syria though, with the right. with the U.S. Yeah, yeah. support of YPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- exactly. They've raised this issue for a long time. It's known to be a sore and tense matter. Obviously, Turkey wants to make sure that it doesn't face its own. You know, secession of Turkish lands, mm-hmm. and and nobody's seemed to actually acknowledge that. You know, they've you know officials will say, they, well, they you pay know, like we, we understand Turkey's interests, yeah. yeah, all this stuff, but then they're not doing anything right. about it, and they're still working with them for good reasons. They need to defeat Islamic State, but they're not demonstrating real, you know, real accept or a real acknowledgement of of what Turkey's concern is, and this is kind of the logical endpoint about mm-hmm. it, is eventually Turkey's going to act because they realize right. nobody else is going to do it for And them. that raises an interesting point that I think in the internal U.S. NAPSEC community debate is being missed. It doesn't, whatever your thoughts are of Erdogan and his um, centralizing of power, um, almost dictatorial uh hold on a country that had a very firm firewall between mosque and state right. under the more traditional Ataturk outlook uh, pre the AKP coming to power in 2003. Um, whatever your feelings on Erdogan and, and his cozying up a bit to Russia and his um, using Israel or the U.S. is, is kind of bad actors to galvanize public uh, support inside Turkey, whatever your thoughts are of that, it doesn't matter if he was in power or anyone else in Turkey. This would be, for the Turks, a security issue and a point of concern. And so whether you have the most U.S.-friendly, secularist uh, president or prime minister in Turkey, they would be looking to run a security operation right now. Right. And exactly. So. And yeah, and I think I think Turkey's security concerns have just not been recognized in a lot of the commentary that's been put out on at this all. at all. And and for years, it's not just yeah. you know this isn't just a sudden thing. And so I think a lot of people missed how seriously. At least, at least in the international mm-hmm. community, yeah. I think a lot of people missed uh, like how just how concerning this was. And, and Erdogan's behavior, uh, particularly after the failed coup attempt in right. twenty six, his, his uh, loss of political capital with the U.S. Yeah, and, it, and with Europe, he has, hasn't done himself any favors. Correct. from the vantage point of Western states, uh, right. Turkey, as I alluded to before, I'm, I mean, I kind of view what's going on in northeast Syria or Syria in general, and I mentioned this to you the other day in in passing, that it's reminding me an awful lot of the Balkans with the ethnic fissures and just the overlapping of borders. Um, You know, uh, ethnic minorities crossing over borders of other countries where, where they now either feel persecuted or the majority population feels this is a potential fifth column. Right, right. What, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and so that, what I mean and, by and that they, is... And what they, haven't, yeah. what they haven't been able to find is a perfect way to 
I would say to, to address governance that might say either allay that secessionism or keep them within within that territory. Because even, you know, you look at Iraq, for example, which has the Kurdistan region, mm -hmm. that almost came to a head anyway, very quickly after Islamic State's territorial uh, possessions in Iraq were, were recovered, they held the referendum and that essentially said, well, we're going to, we're going to secede. We're going to become an independent state. And then the Iraqi security forces just moved in and, and, and retook some of the areas that the Peshmerga had captured amid the chaos of 2014, 2015. And so just broadly, there's not really a, there's, there's not a whole lot of coordination between any of those countries no, and within yeah. those countries on how to address these, you know, these fears of secessionism. Right. And as I mentioned, uh, again, alluding to our earlier conversations, um, mm -hmm. Turkey had issues with Syria dating back right. before Erdogan became uh, prime minister, I believe it was, because he rewrote the constitution right, four right. years ago. Um but Turkey in 98, 1998, almost launched a military incursion into Syria because Syria was, the Assad regime was uh, basically providing sanctuary for PKK leadership. Um, and for the Turks, that was... Well, same thing. Know, that was a, Syria was being used essentially as a support right. zone or a springboard to... But carry with out state sanction, and, and, and yeah, and in yeah. this case, with state backing. So it's always been a strange dynamic with some of these countries and how they handle their Kurdish populations. It wasn't right. like uh, Assad had a love for his Kurdish minority anymore. No, he Saddam didn't. He Hussein was he was oppressing. Yeah, yes, Assad was oppressing his own Kurdish minority right. while using while essentially using that against Turkey, and so it was very. Uh, yeah, very, very, yeah, exactly. It was it's just a dice. It's always been dicey with that. Yeah. And as I had mentioned with the Armenian issue, um, you know, uh, Armenians remember after World War One the what they would describe as a genocide, and the Turks would insist it was a repopulation, moving ethnic Armenians out yeah, of yeah. Uh, the modern and, Turkey. Yeah. And a, a million plus Armenians died. And so that always was hanging on as a European issue because um, the Turks refused to recognize that, understandably, as a genocide, but the Europeans and the Armenians understandably do recognize We're saying, it. saying uh, objectively this meets the criteria yeah. for a genocide. And so it's always been, um, you know, an issue with Turkey and these minority populations and Turkey going, this is ours, and, and basically the whole world is against us on, on these yeah, it, it, well, particular and especially subjects. On, especially on that one, it's not hard to get that perspective if you're in Turkey, because they're, you know, they've been expressing to the Obama administration, oh, sure. they've been expressing yeah. to the Trump administration that they were not happy with this with this scenario. They didn't really have a good answer when the United States said, well, okay, well, well what do we do about Islamic State in Syria? 
there wasn't a good answer. And so you could see why. And now you have a president that, who's disinterested in the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, he's like, I didn't want to inherit this Syria. Yeah, and he was dealt yeah. he was dealt a bad hand. Yeah. The Obama administration was also dealt yep, a bad absolutely. hand. But they, yep. they, whether they improved it, it was still a bad hand going into the Trump administration. Every, every president gets something on their plate that they didn't ask for. And, right. And that's just the way of governance. But... Um, it does lead on the Turkey and uh, ethnic minority subject to uh, w- something I was wondering about is the Erdogan government interested in refugee um, re- replacing the Kurdish population with refugees and therefore creating what in essence, Joseph Stalin used to do this in the Soviet right, Union. Right, they would repopulate it. Repopulate with a, yeah. a region, um, ec- uh, an ethnic minority exclave in an ethnic majority nation. And it was basically redrawing borders inside of borders to create a dependency on Moscow in, in the Soviet Union's case. But in this case, it gives Turkey a buffer zone. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess that's, that could be an effect of it. I'm I mean, not going to go I'm, ahead and I, say that I'm, that's a deliberate, you know, that, that that's yeah, a deliberate policy. I mean, but it's, it's definitely something to consider. It's, you know, it's definitely something. It's yeah, it definitely on appearances looks like it could it could lead to that. Whether that's whether that's the intention, but it definitely looks like it could lead to that. Right. The, yeah. So the fear the fear is that they'll that they're not just going to be restoring areas of northern Syria that were traditionally Arab majority. And then were overrun when well they were overrun by Islamic State and then when the SDF moved back through now they're now they're being populated by Kurdish uh, populations that they're not just restoring that but also areas that were either ethnically Kurdish and and they're they're not the only ethnic group obviously in that in that area you have uh, Assyrians you have Armenians and other in other groups and so the fear is that are they going to push that out entirely and then put in. Well, they want to. These, wanna you know, build the, the, the refugee population and, yeah. that then, 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 then gives them greater freedom to act, or they've got a proxy in that area, such as the this umbrella of right. free Syrian army groups that they can that they can then leverage to play, a, you know, a permanent role. I just don't know really what. I mean, I understand it from a security perspective. I don't know what their end goal is because. The idea that you're just going to move in, take this, I, I guess it's roughly 30 kilometer south of the border th- zone, yeah. they call it a peace zone, and build all these new gleaming buildings and uh, with zero foreign investment, unless it's coming from Moscow or, you know, um, Tehran. I don't know. Who have also been like leery to put too much money well, into Assad, right. who is their Well, they've already bled enough gonna, yeah. and, and in, you know, and invested a lot of capital in Assad. So now Erdogan's going to want foreign support, foreign investment, possibly, uh, I'm sure, I mean, he already spoke at the UN a, a, a little while ago, and he's going to want some kind of sanctioning of this. And so seeing what the end state is is going to be interesting because ultimately, and we'll wrap it up on this, um, there's going to have to be a negotiated political dialogue and Russia is going to be arm around Assad mm-hmm. as Assad tries to negotiate an end to this or Assad basically punitively takes every last inch of what is 
internationally recognized as serious borders. Right, right. Well, so the, probably one of the more concerning parts is the, the, the peace negotiations that have gone on, say the, the ones mediated by Kazakhstan, have not included all the, you know, all every the major yeah. every major power and so then you have you have kind of a broken negotiation process that's working only in certain areas there's also Turkey and Russia bilaterally worked out agreements to deconflict their forces or to try to keep tensions lower and the United States and Turkey had an agreement for northern Syria that was even just a few months ago that the that the SDF removed heavy weapons they removed fortifications from the border and then you know two months go by and that deal falls right apart. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't doesn't give a whole lot of confidence in a, in a war that doesn't have a whole lot of trust or confidence. Right. That sort of thing does not give a whole lot of uh, or does not create a whole lot of faith in the negotiation process. And so, as you were saying about the uh, you know about the end game for Turkey, I don't know if they know what their expected end game is, but I think they did recognize that the status quo was working more and more against them and that something needed to change it right and basically the u.s is almost fully out you know stood up and walked away from the table through right actions it's it's, going to be very difficult it's negotiating power has been pretty uh, pretty weak on syria just even even with the those talks in kazakhstan they haven't included the u.s right and i mean they would need to eventually but it's it's been very illustrative of the route that Washington took mm-hmm. in Syria, even even going under the Obama administration, yeah. where it hasn't been spelled out the what principal it was peace player right. or the principal power in that war, Russia really took that on when it when it invaded in 2015, and it's had a lot of say in what the future of that war is going to look like, or any negotiated right. settlement, what that's going to look like. And you know, I think that's kind of for Trump. That's kind of what he's looking for. Yeah. He's looking for other you, in these sorts of areas that are not of principal strategic interest yeah. to the United States. He doesn't get why we, right. you know, why the U.S. needs to be so heavily involved right. there when it's got all kinds of other issues that just, needs to worry about. It's not and, just that they are heavily involved. They, we don't have a lot of troops there. It's just involved. Right. It's we already had a weak hand in Syria to begin with. This was Russia's orbit. Yeah. Just like. Russia can't, you know, it doesn't have as much influence over, say, some GCC countries as the U.S. or Britain or France. Um, I, yeah, it's, and it's I, alignments. Well, I think, it's not even yeah, alliances. And, and at least, at least from Trump's perspective, I think he's looked at it and said he, he says like, look, we've we've struggled with doing these counterinsurgency ops in, in other countries for so long. Let's let somebody else have fun doing that, and we'll we'll focus on where our strategic interests are. We'll focus on improving our own country and if somebody else wants to get bogged down in one of these sorts of complex wars that don't have clearly defined sides that have shifting sides that have all kinds of non-state like armed parties and kind all of kinds his of attitude. states in the area yeah. says well you know what if you guys want to do that have at it right. we're not going to get ourselves you know completely involved in this right i guess that's probably uh Harder, harder a more, for a him more sophisticated to, yeah, way of communicating of, of what the president's his, attitude yeah, his, is. Yeah, there, his, his approach to it. And he, if he's, yeah, I don't know if he would illustrate it in such uh, terms. I but mean, he, and, and by no means are we endorsing any policy position. We're just discussing these right. different ramifications and the different uh, wrinkles. On, right, and on obviously he's basically standing alone or with just Senator Rand Paul on right, that yeah, one, and everyone else is 
generally sure. on you know on board with a more active yeah. U.S. Yeah, especially in the Congress, they feel that by not being involved, it diminished the U.S. voice. But I mean, to, to well, go it, ahead. Actually, Sorry. yeah. And so one one of the one of the interesting things you brought up the NATSEC community earlier. One of the one of the most interesting things of this is is the is the notion that the U.S. is is betraying an ally in this, and it's it's true. The, the United States has worked with the SDF as a very close mm-hmm. partner. U.S. troops have been on the ground. Obviously, this was for for Secretary of Defense James Mattis. This was something that he uh, you know he was very passionate about, mm-hmm. and he many of the military of, a lot uh, of other leaders have been know, vocal about that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But from 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 Turkey's perspective, you know, they would almost say like, "Well, well, look, we are your ally, mm-hmm. and you betrayed us first. Right. And that, Turkey obviously has our um, air base, Erslik, right. and Turkey is the anchor. In NATO, no matter how, um, and we all know the F-35, S-400 missile, Russian missile system, (laughs) we all know that, and we've discussed that many times, so we won't delve into that and how that plays out within this equation, but... I, Turkey I think, is an anchor I, in NATO, yeah. Asia Minor, and it is geopolitically, geographically, geopolitically a crucial country, whether we like it or not. Yeah, and so I don't think this, I don't think Trump's actions are as clearly in, indicative of a, you know, U.S. abandoning a partner or, you know, U.S. abandoning an ally, I should say, uh, because in this case, we're demonstrating that our, you know, our alliance with Turkey is greater than our, you know, our yeah. partnership with a non-state actor. I think it was pretty... Ta- you know, it was tacitly acknowledged between the U.S. and the SDF that each had its own interests mm-hmm. and that each was going to pursue them where there was, you know, convergence was on fighting Islamic State, but that this this wasn't a, you know, this wasn't like a mutual self-defense sort of thing, right. whereas with Turkey, we are contractually yeah. treaty obligated yeah. to... Article 5. Yeah, and, exactly, and it's the ugly... This is just the ugly face of geopolitics, geopolitics, you know. It's right. just the ugly reality of it. And again... Um, we're not endorsing a, a policy point of view, right? Uh, but I do feel like, it, and I'm giving a lot more credit to the Trump administration, <laughs> the president, than there, you know, probably should be. But I think with the administration and and particularly the president, because I'm sure members of his cabinet were as gobsmacked as the people in in well, yeah, national if you security read it in the about, Times or in yeah. the Washington Post. It seems uh, that they were all yeah. pretty pretty stunned. Uh, I mean, he just they, has a conversation with a, a foreign leader that has lost a lot of credibility with much of the our our truer our our more firm allies, right? Um, who share our value systems. Um, and, you know, he has a conversation, then he just makes the decision. Uh, the, the statement came out, at, I believe, the same day. Yeah. But I, I, having said that, if you think back to right after World War II, no president wants to have the, I, you know, who lost China moment. Right. And that kind of is, you know, Turkey's going to do what it's going to do, and that's not necessarily always going to fall on whoever's, the incumbent in the White House, um, we've relations have been fraying since the invasion of Iraq. They've been right. very, which, by the way, coincided with Erdogan coming to power. But um, it, it's it just is as you said, Turkey is a NATO ally for now, and uh, we have to deal with 
our allies as they are, and it might not be the way we want them to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, on that note, we'll wrap it up, and thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again. 